1: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Hey, yo. For over 30 years and still, and still, your inside look into boxing and mixed martial arts. You know what?
2: As long as she fights in 135 pounds, I
1: don't care
3: if she's injecting a horse demon into her eyeballs.
1: Heard Live around the world and brought to you by the world boxing organization and now and now live from the ring talk studios in san francisco here's the host of the longest running fight show in history pedro fernandez Rocking in the way you move baby this is
2: ring talk live worldwide You're inside look in the world of boxing and mma <clears throat> Correct. Excuse me. Yes, the man was correct. My name is Pedro Fernandez, the often imitated but never duplicated, undisputed heavyweight champion of the Radio race, having defended that title for better than, well, three decades. Straight up today, we're talking local boxing here in the city by the bay, San Francisco, California. Of course, we got the big fight coming up. Not coming up May the fifth. Of course, Canelo Alvarez testing positive not once for, but twice for steroids, folks. Of course, he's got that steroid-like body, so. I think he's got little excuse for not being a cheater. That's just my own personal opinion. We'll talk with Johnny Signorelli Of course, boxing extraordinaire as far as a writer's concerned. Call him what you want, but he is a man, former amateur champion as well. We'll talk with Johnny, and we'll go in-depth with you, if you'd like, on the toll-free. That's right. This is your show. You want to join in, you can. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's toll-free. 1-800-878-PLAY. 7529. Of course, the guilt-free no commitment text line. What do I mean by that? You know, some people like afraid of going on the air, don't want to say anything, or they want to rip me a new one. They can via text. 415-275-1613. That's 415-275-163. Coming off a raucous night at the Fairmont Hotel. God, the eighth wonder of the world when it comes to hotels. No doubt about it, folks. I saw Warren Beatty sitting there one night at the bar waiting for Madonna. That's what kind of hotel this was. Professional boxing, live in San Francisco, Humboldt boxing, hard-hitter promotions. Of course, Roy Engelbrecht put it all together. Andy Nance was a matchmaker. Fantastic matches. Props to all them young men. You are tuned to Ring Talk, live worldwide on Sports Byline and SB Nation Radio Sports.
1: These the arms that long to lock you inside Every day and every night Girl, and here is the soul Of what you've taken control Can't you see I'm trying to show Love is right
4: oh, 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 show and tell Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right
0: That's 855-325-1780.
3: Being a new parent means every high and low you can imagine. and enter the code SPORTS at checkout for $20 off. That's myevos.com. M-Y-E-V-O-Z.com.
0: Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets?
1: With Pedro Fernandez. whoa, well, it's going to be good.
2: I just got a blast via text. You didn't mention Conor McGregor. Okay, the guy got arrested this week. It's not unusual for a fighter to get arrested. It is unusual for a fighter to attack a bus and throw a hand truck through a window and get a couple of people injured having shards of glass in their eyes and things like that. So that is a bit um, out of the ordinary. But, you know, for the notorious Conor McGregor. The man that was able to con his way to a $100 million payday was Floyd Mayweather. Let's be honest. That was the biggest con ever perpetrated on the American public. I used to say that the career of Floyd Mayweather in general was a con. And yes, it was. But the ultimate con, the ultimate con was the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather boxing match. Because, you know, Floyd's a boxer and Conor's not a boxer. So, I mean, who's going to win that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll use the same, same comparison. You're going to paint your house. Half the house is going to be painted by a painter. Half the house is going to be painted by a plumber. Who's going to do it? They're both in the trade business, but who's going to do the better job? Obviously, the person suited to do that job, and in that instance, it was Floyd Mayweather. So now they're talking about Mayweather and McGregor maybe in some type of MMA fight, but McGregor's out on $50,000 bail. Uh, People are ticked off. Dana White's playing it off. Some people thought this was some type of Vince McMahon type of uh, stunt. And, and obviously it wasn't. I mean, you know, Connor and his boys, they got rough. connor's a nutty guy. And plus, honestly, he's nutty. And when you add the fact that, you know, that maybe he's been drinking a little bit and power has gone to his head, I mean, with $100 million, you've got $100 million. Why would you ever want to fight again? I mean, think about that. Why? I mean, if I had well, if I maybe, I, I don't know. I, I would think about it. If I was a professional fighter and I, and I already had bank, I just don't know how hungry I could get. I just don't know how hungry I can get. Once you've reached the mountaintop, that was the toughest part of being a champion: was defending the title, not winning it, defending it. Guys coming after you the next year and things like it. It's just that is the roughest part of being an upper echelon boxer is defending a title. Remember what Muhammad Ali said to Larry Holmes after Mike Tyson won the title, November twenty second, nineteen eighty six. Wow, I never forget that day. Red Fox was there. Great day at the Las Vegas Hilton. But he said. He, he won the title Let, let's see how long he can hold it yeah well he didn't hold it that long lost it of course in 1990 his best, last big win i was there august of 1989 we're in atlantic city of course that's where i met the president of the united states of course mr donald trump that was quite an experience but what can i say mm, i'll just leave it at that anyway bottom line was Back in the day, Atlantic City, Donald Trump, they really ran a good uh, amount of boxing out of there. It was like a boxing hotbed. It really was. Tyson was fighting there, and you know all the East Coast fights. Instead of going to the Garden, they were going to Atlantic City because there were casinos backing them up. Then, but then one by one, all the casinos, including Mr. Trump's casinos, went bankrupt, and the the area that surrounded the casinos, which was like ghetto before, remained ghetto and didn't never prospered from the casinos. Themselves were just a couple of blocks away. I mean, if you took a wrong turn walking out of Atlantic City, you, you know it, it wasn't pretty. Bottom line, it just wasn't pretty. Anyway, Conor McGregor in a world of trouble right now. Um, out on bail. Do I think he'll fight again? Um, maybe this jail thing, or maybe this 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 clash with law enforcement might do something to him and motivate him to want to do something and prove himself. Outside of the fact, outside of that, if he doesn't want to prove himself and come back, he's not going to come back because. Here's what's up. If you get a hundred million bucks standing up <clears throat> and taking a licking from a powder puncher like Floyd Mayweather, okay, for ten rounds, and you get hundred million bucks for that, you really gonna want to go lay down in the dirt and fight some dude in, in the cage, you know, for like a couple million or a few million bucks? Because there's no way the UFC is gonna give him anywhere near the money he made with Mayweather. And now you've heard Mayweather's training for MMA. What a farce! Come on, I mean, come on, Floyd, 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 please, Floyd. Again, using that old analogy, the old analogy. And what was that? Hmm. There's no money shots in Floyd Mayweather fights. In other words, he wouldn't make it in the porn industry. He just wouldn't. And you can't call the Conor McGregor fight some pinnacle, some, some seminal event in Floyd Mayweather's career as far as him being a boxer is concerned. No, it was a, 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 a seminal event in his life as far as, as, far as making money is concerned. I mean, no doubt about it. But as far as the fights concerned, that wasn't a fight, man. 1 800 878 play. That's 1 800 878 759. We're here from the two heavyweight champions right now. Of course, we're talking about Deontay Wilder. What's he now? 41 0 now, 38 knockouts, something like that. And of course, his adversary from the UK, the 2012 Olympic gold medalist, Mr. Anthony Joshua. Of course, now he's like 21 0, 20 wax. Went 12 rounds last week with, Anthony, uh, with Joseph Parker. And, you know, shame on Joseph Parker because I'm going to tell you. You don't get too many opportunities to step into the limelight. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was a WBO champion. He had that belt, but he wasn't a, how could I put this, a household name. And he was fighting Joshua. He had a chance to make a household name for himself. Even if he lost, even if he lost, he could have made himself a household name. You know why? Because he could have put forth an effort. He could have tried. He could have stepped on it. Listen, you got to gamble. When you fight, you gotta gamble, especially you want to be greater, you wanna win, you have to gamble. The 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 reluctance to do so, it makes you a pedestrian fighter, makes you average, makes you ordinary. Last week Joseph Parker was less than ordinary. He's six foot four. The other guy's six foot seven. Yeah, he's six foot six. Yeah, he's got some height reach on you, but man, get under it and jab to the body, throw a couple of jabs, do something. Show me some activity, show me some intent. You know, that you want to impose your will. Don't show me what you showed me. Because you know what? I think you just took the money and ran. Sorry, pal. You took the money and ran. 93,000 people there. You could have put up a great stand. And even if you got beaten up, even if you got beaten up, if you put up a good stand and tried, people would have said, you know, that Parker Joshua fight, that was a hell of a fight. You got to give Parker some credit there. You know, but you can't give Parker no credit for what he did out of sight going 36 minutes and had joshua stepped on the gas you know you'll hear from him later but had he stepped on the gas it have been lights out he just didn't step on the gas he was content to go 12 12 you know 12 good rounds working behind that jab he showed stellar boxing ability i mean i was really impressed with the what is he now he's almost 30 years old he's he's the real deal he's the real. Deal. looked a little stiff a little robotic but you have to realize boxing hasn't been part of his life forever I mean, he hasn't he wasn't born with it, and neither was Deontay Wilder. Of course, Wilder, the WBC champion, out of that that boxing hotbed, baby. What's it, Tuscaloosa today? Yeah, I think it's Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Sorry about that, Alabama, but it is a boxing. You know, it's replaced Madison Square Garden. Of course, he drew six thousand people there last time and he wants to go against Anthony Joshua, and he tells Joshua, come fight me here in the States. No, no, no. Deontay, if you want to fight Joshua, you will have to go either to Cardiff, Wales, or Wembley Stadium and fight him in front of 90,000 people, because guess what? He is the A side of the record, baby. He is the A side of the record. You are the B side of the record. And when you're the B side of the record, just be happy to be at the dance. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, coming up. The Sigman, Johnny Signorella in the house, open phone lines around the planet, 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. The guilt-free, no-commitment text line. This means, you know, you don't have to give it up. 415-275-1613. The text line, once again, 415-275-1613. You're tuned to Ring Talk, live on Sports Byline and SB Nation Radio Sports.
5: Yeah, I think the, the public underst- uh, underestimating myself and our team and all we can do. I think they're judging us on our last two or three fights. And I think they see Joshua as a fighter who's un- is unbeatable. So there's element of surprise.
4: it's time. It's time to see who's the best. It's time to see who's the heavyweight. Who, who's the baddest man on the planet? I know I am. Are you guys ready for this test? Are you guys ready for this American boy right here to bring back the heavyweight division like he've done it? To have one champion, one face, one name. And he go by the name of Deontay Wilder. I declare war, baby. What's your response to that?
1: Now more of ring talk with Pedro
4: Fernandez.
2: I'm not going to Mobile, Alabama to fight you. Not even Tuscaloosa or any of those places down there. You have got to come fight me in the UK. That's what Anthony Joshua was saying. And guess what? It's going to happen that way. Wilder has no choice. Uh, that's my side of these coins. Maybe my next guest, of course, has a different opinion. He's very opinionated. And what was a little scary this morning, folks, when I called him and asked him if he was appearing this morning, was that he told me he was going to get some coffee. And that was a little bit frightening. The bottom line is Johnny Signorella's in the house. Johnny, how's the coffee? I got some caffeine in me now, brother. I'm good. Humpy these yeah.
6: back together.
2: Hey, you want to hear a good one? You know, Bing Crosby. Obviously, I was with Mort. I've been hanging with Mort Saul. Okay, you know, Mort Saul is like yeah. the greatest satirist of all time. Anyway, so he told me that Bing Crosby. The reason why he was so smooth in those movies and things like that is that he was blending the, the tobacco in his pipe with weed. He was always stoned. I'm kidding, you not Mort, Mort. and he. I said, Mort, are you joking? He goes, No, Bing was stoned all the time. As was Louis Armstrong.
6: Hey, man, good for them. You know, they know how to live. You know what I'm saying? You had recommended on the air a couple weeks ago coffee and cannabis. I still yet to have tried it, but when I get a day, I'm going to do it. When I get a day all to myself or I got nothing to do, that's happening.
2: Good enough. Of course, we had the heavyweight champion of the world in action last week. At least one of them. There's two now. Um, Straight up, Mr. Parker, he showed up to dance, man, but he, he didn't want to dance. I mean, he was in the position where he could have made a name for himself. And all in all, I never want to see Joseph Parker fight again.
6: Well, at the halfway point of the fight, once he established a jab and a little bit of movement, giving Joshua some trouble, whatever, I said, at this point, you got to do the game changer now. you got to either go for it or you're going to be reluctant just to stay with and keep doing what you're doing and end up with a result where you're not going to win in, in, jo- in Parker's uh, case. So, yeah, he, he did stink out to join a little bit. That fight wasn't that great, and I think it's both guys' fault, man. Like, here's my thing about Joshua. You know I love him. Last two fights, hey, man, did the Kalichko fight take something out of that kid? Because... His last two fights, I mean, I understand you can't knock everyone out. I get that, right? But he hasn't looked like the same guy. Maybe a little bit hesitant since he got rocked by that beautiful Kalitschko right hand in their amazing war.
2: That could be, but I also think that he's still learning on the job. We're talking about a guy that hasn't, didn't have that many amateur fights. And believe it or not, guys can rise to prominence in the amateur ranks in the heavyweight division with just a few fights. I don't want to name some guys because they're local and, and, they're, and, and they listen to the show once in a while, but there were some heavyweights, I know, that had like nine fights and won the United States championship. You know what I'm saying? And that and that, that should never happen. Nine amateur yeah, fights. Well, nine it, amateur fights and yeah. win the nationals. That stuff, no, that ain't supposed to happen.
6: No, and, you know, he is learning on the job a lot, and now he's going to start seeing better opposition. I hope we get wilder next, and it should be in the U.K., man, because look at what they do over there. It's beyond the rock concert. 90,000 people, there'll probably be 100,000 for this. People celebrating, singing along. They know how to do it over there in the UK. What are hey, we doing in America?
2: I I don't know, but I went to that Vujani Bungu, uh, Prince Nassim Ahmed fight in London. HBO flew me over to that fight, of course. I got to meet guys like Key, uh, uh, Ron, Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones. Puff Daddy, I told you how unimpressed I was with Puff Daddy, right? No, I didn't know the story. Yeah, what here, we're hanging out, we're in London. And we're waiting for Nassim to come after the fight. I think he stopped bungling in like four or five rounds, something like that. He came in on a magic carpet. It was an incredible experience watching him enter the ring. Anyway, so the fight's over with, and I hear all this noise outside the dressing room, and I'm on one side of a wall, and, he's, and on the other side of the wall is Puff Daddy and his crew, and they're smoking weed inside of the arena. Okay, so, yeah, okay, I understand what's going on. He's Puff Daddy. So he comes back around, and we're talking this and that, and he's going, eh, eh it was that, uh, I, I couldn't, I didn't, he was worse than Miles Davis, Miles Davis was a what? hard guy to understand, this guy was, this guy made no sense whatsoever, so anyway, Ron Wood, uh, originally a member of Faces with uh, Rod Stewart, okay, came over to the to the uh, Stones, and after they had a, a guitar death, anyway, bottom line is Ron Wood is a Rolling Stone, so Ron Wood's, the, you know, Ron Wood's hanging around and this and that, and we talked a couple of times, so Ron Wood, he was kissing Puff Daddy's ass. I mean, just unbelievable. I mean, it was like sickening, man. It was like, damn, this guy's a rolling stone. He's kissing this guy's ass. Why is he doing that? So we're in the bathroom. He and Ron Ron Wood and I are in the bathroom at this this club later, this post-fight party club. And he's still kissing Puff Daddy's butt. So when he walks in the bathroom, he says to me, hey, man, you seen Puffy? And I said to him, what's this thing between you and Puffy, man? What you got going with Puffy? He goes, nothing, man. He's got the best weed. <laughs> I guess the good stuff will do that, huh? I guess Make so. But I, which which led me to the uh, which led me to believe that they don't have good weed in London. because nah, if,
0: uh-huh. if you're a Rolling
2: Stone and you can't get good, you can't get weed. You got problems. Anyway, let's well, go back. You, he got the puff daddy stuff, man. So I mean, that's that's a whole other league. It's a whole other level, right? I, I guess it is because you you. Um, uh, uh, all these guys now got their own marijuana brands. I mean, Cheech and Chong, not Cheech and Chong, Cheech and Marin having no part of that. But Tommy Chong's got one. Uh, a, couple of the, a couple of the rappers have got one. So everybody's doing their thing. Everybody's trying to cash in. And why not? Because, I mean, I got to tell you, they sold 100. They were selling like over 100 million bucks worth of weed in, in, in Denver, in the area around Denver, each month, up to a couple of months ago. Johnny, that's a lot of weed. Designer
6: pot, man, like the craft beer uh, industry took over. You know, beers. I guess pot's doing the same thing, and yeah, it's a big business, especially out here in Vegas, man. Everybody's high.
2: All right. So, were you trying? as that has that has that uh, taken away from people at the bar? Are there less people drinking?
6: <sighs> that's a good question. I don't think so. That that's one thing because that goes hand in hand with the gaming. You sit there, you play your game, you smoke your cigarettes, your cigar, whatever. They all go hand in hand. So I think the drinking business is always going to be booming because those games are there. Okay.
2: You know, you're in Las Vegas now and you you've descended upon Las Vegas and taken that as part as your residence. And it's a different Las Vegas than what I described to you earlier when, when, when we would drive around and, and, uh, and Alex Freed, Alex Freed owned, there's, there's a jeweling chain, a jeweler's chain in Las Vegas called the jewelers. And they were the, they were in the, uh, the ground floor of the Hilton hotel back in the Elvis days. And, Every day that Elvis had an appearance, he would um, how can I put this? Uh, have he would have intimate contact with a new woman from the crowd. So that's how El, that's how regular Elvis was. He would pick a chick from the crowd, and the very next day he would bring them down to Alex Freed's um, jewelry shop, and he would buy them a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar bracelet. I kid you not. I kid you not. So Alex said that Elvis was his best customer, bar none, bar none. I mean, <laughs> El, I mean, you know, Elvis was living there in Vegas, of course, sleeping all day and for the most part, in, 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 in preparing at night, putting uh, aluminum foil up on the windows and all that kind of good stuff. But, yeah, Alex Freed was not only his jeweler, but he was a boxing manager. He, he managed a lot of guys, some guys that fought for, for titles and things like that. But he was also a, a Jewish um, prisoner at, at the concentration camp. So he was one of the few guys I knew that had those numbers, you know, tattooed on his arm, and he told me the story about that, and it was just – it was just heavy. We used to drive around in his like nineteen seventy eight Seville, all driving all around Vegas, and he's you know telling me all the stories, man. It was sort of cool. May he rest in peace, Alex Fried. Do you know the jeweler's chain? The jeweler's is it's still happening there.
6: I do not, Pedro, but that's a great story, man. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that.
2: Yeah, well, that's my anyway. Johnny, let's go, let's go back to the heavyweight situation right now. Luis sure. Ortiz, you said that he was thirty eight going on forty eight. Somebody other somebody <laughs> t- somebody the other day told me he was closer to forty five than he was. 40, so, I, I mean, he has to be 42 and a half plus. Um, had he had the juice, I mean, they took away the steroids from him. Had, do you think that was the difference between him being decent and real, real good at this time? And You know what I'm saying? There was, that, I think, might have been a, a good barometer of what steroids do for a guy when he doesn't have them.
6: Very well could be. We even saw that with Lucas Brown against Dillian White, you know. But uh, the bottom line is he gave a great performance considering all things, whether— It was uh, being hindered because he's not on the juice. I mean, Wilder put forth a tremendous effort, effort, and I thought just thought it was a great heavyweight fight. So I mean, Luis Ortiz, if he comes back, I still think he could be a credible guy in the heavyweight division. I mean, you know, you got Jared Miller there. You know, um, he could maybe take on a Parker, a Pulev. You know, there's there's some guys for him for sure that I think he's he could beat because he's a strong guy and he's a southpaw, which could give people trouble, obviously.
2: Are there any, is there anybody in the, in the, you mentioned uh, Mr. Miller, is there any sophomores in, in the heavyweight division that we could look at? I mean, anybody like, you know, any up and comers, how about Vegas? Are they, are they cultivating any heavyweights in Vegas right now? You know what? I don't, I don't really
6: think we have anybody over here right now. Um, you know, I, I like, I, I wouldn't say Brian Jennings is a sophomore, but he's always lurking in the background um, you know, no, no, Brian, 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 Jennings,
2: Brian, Jennings is a wa- is a washout. You think he's done? No, I mean, he listen, man. He's not gonna, he's never gonna be a heavyweight champion, As big as these guys are nowadays, yeah. right? You know, I mean, uh, he, they they like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, a lot he, of people
6: are feeling Jared Miller, but I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm a little indifferent on him. I, I need to be proven more. Yet they're talking about him next to like Joshua. I'm like, slow down, hit the brakes on that. You know, what I'm saying, I, I'd like to see these guys kind of. Square off anyone underneath Joshua Wilder. You look at Parker, Ortiz, Pula, Jennings, a uh, possible fury if he gets off a of Coke, uh, Dillian White, you know, Adam uh, Konaki, who uh, who's a heavyweight coming up, who's unbeaten, who's a little bit exciting at times, you know. So there are, 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 there are some names and there definitely is some buzz, especially from the march we had in the heavyweight division.
2: But the natural fight for Joshua in my mind is with. Tyson Fury. I think that's the fight you do. I think you do that fight next. You have Wilder ringside, and you go for it. It may be a bit of a gamble, you know, but I I don't think it's a a considerable gamble. He'll be favored, and I think he should win. But I think that fight would, like, set records in in, in the U.K. right now and would put maybe put uh, Joshua on a level to where American fans, if it was shown at a prime time here in the United States, they could appreciate him as well, to set up the big pay-per-view match with Wilder.
6: I tell you what, man, that's the best thing for – I mean, UK boxing is on fire. That would be the biggest fight. When you say the biggest fight in the UK, that's the one. Think about – people come out in droves for that, bro. Like, that would, that would be a, the, probably the biggest sporting event, I think, in their, in their country's history between those two guys. if Tyson Fury could come back and be formidable and sell it and, and look respectable – you know, he keeps saying he's training, but last time I saw him, he looked like he was well over 300 and change. So, I mean, and Joshua was a kid coming into his prime. You know, he's chiseled. Joshua is a crazy specimen. And uh, his conditioning looked better in the last fight. I did not come on the fight being boring against Parker. But I got to say, his stamina looked better. And that was always one concern I had because of the big muscles needing oxygen in Joshua.
2: Good point. Josh, of course, the winner last week, a 12-round decision. Almost a 118-110, eh, I think, was the score in the minds of most people. That means 10 rounds or two as far as his win over Joseph Parker was concerned. You are turning to Ring Talk. Live on Sports Byline, SB Nation Radio Sports, open phone lines. Johnny Signorella is in the house. 1 800 878 Play. That's 1 800 878 75 John, the guilt free, no commitment text line. 415 275 1613. You're tuned to Ring Talk, but hey, you knew that. Does that look like a fighter's body?
7: Shame on you, my friend.
1: <laughs> Shame on me. Shame on you. You let fat man beat you.
7: can't stand yeah? it, Shame So, on me. you know. A fat man's beat him and relieved him of all his belts. <laughs> I don't take boxing seriously, as you can tell. I don't care about boxing. It's mainly about getting a few quid and putting the food on the table. That's it. That's your professional. And if that's all a professional can do, then God help us all. Because what's the point in practising your job for 40 years if you can't beat a fat man? So credit to him if he can beat me in the rematch. This time he beat a fat man.
5: Boom, boom. All right.
4: 5-1.
0: Call right now. That number is 800-485-6003.
5: Anthony, congratulations. You've added the WBO to your IBF and your WBA. Your analysis of your own performance tonight. Uh, I'm not going to make an analysis of of my own performance. That's for my coach to do. But my strategy in there was kind of stick behind the jab. It's one of the most important weapons. The old saying is the right hand can take you around the block, but a good jab will take you around the world and that secured another world championship belt. So I stuck behind the jab and I made sure anything that was coming back, I was switched on, I was focused. And 12 rounds baby, I thought it was hard, right? How did you find the 12 round distance? Light work, it's light. This is boxing, this is what we do. 10 rounds, two rounds, 12 rounds, you know. I know sometimes the bookies have it as you might knock him out in one round, two rounds, three rounds, but forget the hype. Joseph Parker is a world champion. So I knew he's gonna be determined. So sometimes this does become a boxing match, not a fight. So I made sure, and as I said to you in the previous comments and interviews, this will be about boxing finesse. Joseph Parker stated this will be a war. I stated this will be boxing finesse. And I stuck to my word and I controlled him behind the jab, the counter punches. And the main thing we cannot forget is, I am the unified heavyweight champion of the world. I was going to come to it later, but it feels like a good time to do it. Do you want to become undisputed heavyweight champion of the world? 100. 100. You know what that that means, though, don't you? That means that you would have to face WBC King, Deontay Wilder. You're asking me, do I want to become undisputed heavyweight champion of the world? IBO. WBO. IBF. WBA. 21 professional fights six world championship fights. Does that not show you what route I'm going in? Forget the hype, I'm not into that. You, the, everyone here knows me better than that, I'm not into the hype, I'm about business. So let's get the business done. And now I've got the time, if it takes my trainer, Eddie Hearn sitting down and discussing plans with Al Heyman, Shirley, and seeing what the future holds, I'm down to ride for whatever, whenever. So you want that fight with Deontay Wanda? We, we know that he's watching on our uh, colleagues at Showtime tonight in the United States. So what would your message be to him? Just like Dylan said. Wanda, Let's go, baby! Let's go!
1: Now, more Brain Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
6: We don't back down from nobody. Hold on, hold on. We can take it in the street if you want to.
2: In the sunshine band man i saw him casey without the sunshine band a couple of years ago and he still rocks he was brought down the house at the concord pavilion over there in concord california site of the 1988 olympic trials never forget that you are tuning ring talk live worldwide you're this hour you're inside look at the world of boxing of course we talk mma as well we're talking the heavyweight scene of course you just heard from joshua you previously heard from mr um Mr. Wilder, and Wilder, you know, he's, he's, he talks a good game, and he's, he's 40-0. He's unbeaten. And, of course, Josh was 21-0, and so something's got to give if these two guys go. Povekian was a winner last week. Hey, what did you think of, of, of the performance of, of, of my guy, who I was heralding there for like a year because he was such an amateur stud? David Price got drilled again. I
6: was thinking about this watching the fight. Me and you ring talk radio eight years ago. High on David Price saying, who's better? Fury or Price? We both picked Price. <laughs> man, he got turned out. Look at that, how this guy's career ended up. You know what? He's a good boxer, but, man, he can't take a punch. And he's a huge target. You know, I forgot to mention Pavetkin before. He's another juicer. And uh, i was starting to think, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe Pavetkin might lose this fight because he got rocked against Price. Because Price will do that to you. Mm-hmm. He'll keep you honest. But then he'll get, he'll get hit himself, obviously, and get floored. That was a devastating knockout. That stole the show. You know, I was streaming that one because uh, Showtime, for whatever reason, decided not to uh, to air that one, so I had to use my other sources. <clears throat> but uh, anyhow, so uh, yeah, I was uh, I I wasn't surprised about Price uh, getting forward by Povetkin, and Povetkin's one of those guys too. You gotta wonder, like, uh, how good is he without the juice? Two-
2: you know what I think the key to beating these big guys is is hitting them in the head, not the chin, the head. I'm they they like Tyson Fury went down. Uh, and, and he, he's, I think he's got a soft head I said this before and people said to me what are you trying to say? He's impotent? No, no, no nothing, nothing sexually here <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I'm saying he has a soft head in other words when he gets hit on the head he doesn't doesn't respond well so if I was fighting these big guys if I was fighting a guy like that, I'd try to be hooking him to the head. I wouldn't be, and you know what, And there's a whole lot, I know it sounds a little dirty, it sounds a little dirty, but I would try to be, I would try to hook for the area just right up behind, right around the top and behind the ear with these big guys because of the fact that I think when they get hit there, it just, they, they, because they're so big, they just can't, they can't keep it together.
6: Well, nothing dirty about it. You're thinking like a fighter. Anything you get away with that's, you know, still considered clean or, you know, to the naked eye seems good. You're gonna to try to get every advantage in that ring as possible. So yeah, but,
2: but but in fights I but in fights I never I never elbowed off the jab like I did in the gym when guys got nasty with me gnarly with me.
6: You know what, man, remember how Lennox used to hold people behind the head? Trinidad would like kinda of get in close in the clinch and then use your shoulder to push you off and sneak in that hook? You know, Holyfield of course with the head, Bernard Hopkins, you know. And and those things were very effective, and, and a lot of times they didn't get called by the referee, and I think in a lot of in a lot of ways it led to a lot of successful victories. Yeah,
2: I think boxing connected, or one of the we uh, Facebook sites said that the uh, they uh, asked the question: Is Holyfield a dirty fighter? And I put certainly, like certainly, like like Curly Howard, Johnny Signorella. I mean, because you know, I mean, not only the the, um, the Tyson fights, I mean, he butted Tyson. I thought he did it on purpose. Mm. I think that Tyson knew he did it on purpose, and that sort of took Tyson out of the fight right away. Plus, you know, Mike was also facing the psychological disadvantage of knowing that that Holyfield believed he could beat him. And when you, ha- and, you know, I mean, and, and you know that most guys Tyson stepped in the ring with, they were, you know, they were soiling their shorts. And I won't. All I, I can't, was it, yeah. Alex Stewart, Alex Stewart actually did soil his shorts in the Atlantic City ring before fighting Mike Tyson, get knocked out in one round.
6: They said he won a lot of fights in the dressing room, and Stewart actually gave Holyfield two tough fights. It's funny how styles makes fights, but, I mean, Mike was that type of guy, but Holyfield went in there with that mindset. You know, that's one thing i got to say about Evander, his will. We saw that in fights with Riddick Bowe and and countless other ones, Burke Cooper, you know, Michael Dokes. I mean, how great was that 15-round cruiserweight fight way back in the day? But, you know, I mean, that was his thing, his will and and, uh, his skill set. And Mike Tyson, unfortunately, like a lot of bullies, because Tyson was a bully at that time, when you bully them, when you bully the bully back, they kind of cowered up and and Mike's uh, psyche was broke, that happened against Buster Douglas, it happened against Lennox Lewis, and later on against Danny Williams and even geez Kevin McBride. What mm-hmm. happened there Mike
2: no but but you know Mike, Mike admitted to me when I asked him in, in uh after the McBride fight, I said to him, i said, "You haven't had it in a long time. he goes, man i haven't yeah. had it since I haven't had it since nineteen eighty nine and he leaned forward and said that into the microphone. And, like, the whole press conference went silent because that was really that was really the story of the night. Not the fact that Kevin McBride had won, the fact that Tyson hadn't been himself since 1989. Of course, his last big win over Carl the Truth Williams when he made a liar out of the truth in two seconds longer than it did to make a believer out of Michael Spinks.
6: Unbelievable, man. I remember watching those fights with my father as a kid coming up, watching the game, getting into boxing and just being like Mike Tyson was this godly figure. You know, and there was so much tension whenever he got in the ring, and excitement, and uh, you know, it's, it's. I don't think there's been anyone that that comes close to an intimidation factor. The
2: it's great, like. the great Saul told me this week that he was more intrigued with the Tyson story and thought that Tyson was a, uh, uh, he was he 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 liked Tyson more than he did Ali, and <clears throat> he said that Ali was brash, you know, the the brash thing, this and that. And of course, Ali did a lot outside of the ring, but as far as fighters were concerned, Saul liked you know because the aggression of Mike Tyson, and let's be honest. I think Mike Tyson sort of <clears throat> muddied the waters for Lennox Lewis because they were two different, two completely different style fighters. And, I mean, Lennox was a boxer that got knockouts, but for the most part he was content to go 12 rounds. And, and and remember he went 12 rounds against that guy, Zelko Maverick, and we never saw Zelko ever. Never saw that guy ever again. Yeah. He retired. Right. I mean, wh- I mean, what, I was, mean for- what was up with that? Did he run for political office or something like that, didn't he?
6: I don't know. I think some kind of, he got into politics, something after boxing, that wasn't uh, really associated to the sport, yeah. I,
2: but, but he, you
6: know, Lennox, to me – I'm sorry, Pete, go Go ahead. on,
2: sir. I'm sorry. Go on.
6: Lennox, to me, though, you know, he's one of those guys that once he came into his own with it, and really made his style work for him with Emmanuel Stewart, post-mortem uh, his loss against McCall, you know, that dreadful first-round knockout. I mean, Emmanuel saw something in, in, in Lennox, and that's why he went over to him. And what a job he did with Lennox. Lennox is the pioneer for the big – Modern day heavyweight. You don't have a Kalichko. You don't have a Joshua. If it's not for for Lennox. The athleticism, the power. Lennox Lewis, man, when he touched him, i am like, man, when, the way he did in Rockman, woof! That, that that left hook and straight right hand, dang! Wait, you know, wait, uh, but so but wait, wait!
2: I, I noticed you glossed over the point there that Rockman drilled him in South Africa in their first fight.
6: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He got cocky. He showed up late and acclimate to uh to to Africa's time zones and whatnot and the food and the air and whatnot, and he was smiling on the ropes. And, yeah, he got slapped in the jaw. And Tyson was supposed to be next after that. And then I remember Rockman screaming, no, Lewis Tyson, you know, and uh, shook up the world. Rockman, uh, that was his night of night. So you're right. I I didn't mean to uh, gloss that over.
2: No, Lennox Seuss was hanging out with those guys from Ocean's Eleven in Vegas instead of training. He was hanging with those movie stars and shooting clips and, and being on the set and things like that. He wasn't training, man, and he paid the price.
6: What did Larry Murchis say? He's like, he drowned in Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing, right? I remember on the broadcast when he said that, I'm like, Larry, man. When he had his night on the mic, bro, his, his greatest nights were certainly his greatest nights. He was fantastic. Yeah,
2: and speaking of Larry, he was telling me yesterday about a story about, Bing I mentioned Bing Crosby smoking weed in that pipe of his earlier. He said that he conned his way into an event with Bing Crosby. And and uh, and interviewed him in night in the during the Korean War and The Godfather he had this little press pass from like the army and the uh, Stars and Stripes newspaper or something like that and he was in uniform so he went to where Ben Crosby was doing this 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 uh, benefit for the troops and he like walked his way in the whole nine yards and spent time with with Bing Crosby, and this is the kind of stuff, and I've done this, this is the kind of stuff that you sort of have to do on impulse and things. like. You just do them. In other words, you see the opportunity, like when I was backstage and, and James Brown, they said, go back to your seat, Pedro, go back to your seat. No, man, I'm going to watch James Brown, the godfather of soul, come out here and walk out on stage. That's what I'm going to do instead. I mean, come on. So you have to take advantage of these times, and sometimes it pisses people off. Who kind of say? I enjoyed it, Johnny.
6: You seize the opportunity. I've done that before, you know, and it's gotten me gigs. and I've gotten friends out of it. I mean, you know, a Holyfield one time I was chilling in his camp and uh, I seized an opportunity to hang out and talk with him uh, outside about, you know, uh, outside boxing-related stuff, women, uh, other sports, you know, life, movies. and I had a great time, and if I didn't have the stones to do it, and sees the opportunity that moment would have went for naught. So you got to take chance.
2: Well, I'm glad you talked about. You brought up Evander Holyfield and women. He has 13 kids from like 12 different women. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about it. What's the story on that man? Is this guy procreate. What's the story? I mean, did he think that the human well, race was going to come to an end, and he he needed them to uh, ensure that it went forward? Well, that's a long
6: story. I got to talk about 13 kids here, 13 different scenarios that are on record.
2: That is a record record in in the world of sports, isn't it?
6: I I think so. I I think I saw a special on this about mostly related people in the NBA. So I I think Holyfield might be the undisputed uh, champ of that.
2: (laughs) Boxing writer John Signorello is our guest, folks. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports Violent and SB Nation Radio Sports. Uh, Johnny will come back and finish up the hour, but I'm looking at the rest of these heavyweights, and I'd need a lot of Viagra to get up for any of these guys, folks. Some guys like mm. Charles Christian Hammer, Charles Martin, I don't know, Andy Ruiz, yawn, yawn. Anyway, bottom line is this guy Konaki is undefeated. We'll talk about him after the break, real quick. You are tuning to Ring Talk live worldwide on Sports Byline and SB Nation Radio Sports. You're right.
4: You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at one eight hundred three one six one seven three eight. 316 1738 That's one eight hundred three one six one seven three eight. 316 1738 Get your free information by dialing one eight hundred three one six one seven three eight. 316
1: 1738 That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? Is really a war against us all,
0: but the secret is now out. So please get and read the secret war. Pick up your phone and call right now. 800 932 5517. 800 932 5517. 800 932 5517. Once again, that's 800 932 5517.
1: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. I guarantee you there's no problem. Please
4: let this nightmare stop!
2: 56, make it 57 minutes past the hour. This is hour number one of two on the Sports and SB Nation radio network of course. Ring Talk Live Worldwide. 34 years of radio presence, folks. That's right, knocking out all bums every week, Saturday and Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. My guest, of course, the incomparable John Signorella, boxing extraordinaire. Johnny, I'm looking forward to some of the upcoming fights, but, you know, Adrian Broner and Jesse Vargas, is Broner's, he's in Vegas, uh, supposedly. Is he training there? That's what they tell me.
6: I believe so. I know Vargas is out here. Bronner hopefully is doing the right thing. Could be a very intriguing fight. I like Vargas. He's got some good power. He's a good kid. I've met him a couple times.
2: Okay, the fight I'm really going to push you on here real quick, and we got to shoot a little, like inside of 90 seconds. Jamar Charlo and Hugues Centeno. Charlo, the real deal?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think both brothers are very, very good fighters. I'm looking forward to that one.
2: Okay, Pound for pound. Is there a pound for pound king right now, besides you coming on the radio and doing your thing every couple of weeks? Is there a pound for pound king in boxing?
6: I like Crawford and Spence, so we're at a tie right now. And those guys are scheduled to fight in June, uh, June 9th and 16th. Uh, Crawford goes the 9th, Spence the 16th. Hopefully they could secure a date three to four months after that, and we see who the best one is.
2: No doubt about it. We're talking wealth 147 pounds, of course. Uh, Earl Spence and hey Earl Spence and Earl Crawford uh, and, and and Bud Crawford of course Bud moving up in weight from 140 to 147 that's always a question mark though because I told you those Johnny you fought at 39 and 47 you know there's a world of difference between those two weight classes
6: there is no doubt about that man so only time will tell and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how strong Crawford is against Sporn he's an adorable guy not the best fighter in the world but I think it'll be a good test to see how uh, Crawford holds that strength at that weight class.
2: Good enough, Johnny. All the best to you, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you, my brother. The great John Signorella on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Thursday, the 12th. ESPN2 is going to have a card of boxing 10 p.m. in East, 7 o'clock in the West. Francisco Vargas and Rod Saika, of course, is going to go at 130 pounds. Straight up, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday, April the 12th. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide on Sports Byline and SB Nation Radio Sports. This is only our number one. I've got another hour to go. I'll talk a little bit more about the world of mixed martial arts. We'll talk some boxing as well. I think I'll bring in Mr. E, I call him, Roy Engelbrecht. Of course, originally Roy and I met up in like 87, 88, back in Irvine, California, working for Don Frazier and doing TV on the Z Channel. And now he's doing his own thing. Of course, last night, an event coordinator for a hard hitter boxing in San Francisco, California, and Humboldt Boxing as well. You are tuning to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Hey, stay tuned for hour M2 on Sports Byline and SB Nation Radio Sports.